Welcome back to the Upside Play. We are brought to you by RoyalRetros.com. Go over to RoyalRetros.com. Get 10% off your order with promo code UPSIDEPLAY. I am joined today by Maher and Patrick, a unique crew for uh, 2022 so far. We're entering week 10, the mid-season point. Most teams have played nine or eight games, so mid-season mark. And the Eagles are still undefeated. When, when does it end, Maher? Uh, looking at their schedule, I don't think it does, to be honest. Um, they it's As crazy as it seems, they still haven't played their best football. And I think that's so surprising. I haven't seen a game yet where they've won all four quarters. Really, maybe even won three quarters. Seems like so, they're really just playing football in the second quarter and, you know, just uh, letting that lead last. But I'm still waiting to see the game where they're just clicking on all cylinders for four straight quarters. The the Eagles, I mean, so would you like to go on record saying that you're going to have an undefeated season? Not only an undefeated season, you guys run the table, do what Tom Brady, Brady couldn't. No. The perfect, the perfect, perfect season. No, I know ESPN's going to get a hold of this podcast and blow it up more <laughs> than it's supposed to be, and I, I don't want any of that bad juju. So we'll, we'll get you one of those eight dollar check marks that'll will go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our, our Niners coming off the bye. Patrick's lucky enough to be at the game this Sunday against the uh, against the Chargers prime time. So we're excited for that. Offense looks as healthy as can be right now. Um, if you're looking for fantasy football help or, you know, injury updates, things like that, go follow us at The Upside Play on Twitter. Um, we're, we're very active Sunday morning. Me and Vince have been cranking it up a notch. We're getting up at 6 a.m. for you guys. So go follow us at The Upside Play and uh, ask away for fantasy mm-hmm. football questions. We're getting into crunch time. Um, that being said, we, we have a question of the week, a good one this week. We, we've seen a lot of the NFL so far. We've gotten a good gauge of the games, um, excluding the Bucks. Who is the most dangerous under 500 team? We can answer this at the end of the podcast today. I want you guys to think about it a little bit, but the Bucks are four and five. I think they're the clear answer to this question. So getting them out of the picture, who do you think is the most dangerous uh, under 500 team? Because we've seen these overperformers, but oh, that's, I was thinking a little bit about that. Um, we, <laughs> We've seen teams that might be overperforming, and we'll talk about them a little later, but I, I think it's worth noting that there's still another half of football to go, and just because your team didn't start out the way that you thought, um, there's still time. Today, we're going to do a little MVP, um, not MVP, really NFL award predictions since it is at the midseason point. Um, I do have our preseason predictions, so I could kind of show them together, but we'll start with the MVP role. Um this is one of the few where we all have different answers here. So, Maher, we'll get going with you. Your guy is actually the leader in Vegas to get the award. Who do you have? And I, I also, sorry, I should preface. Do you guys, did you feel this out as the first half MVP or who you think will be the MVP? I did first half. I, I put who we think. Who I yeah. think. And it's funny because I was kind of right in the middle. I think like two of them I put the first half MVP and then who I thought was going to end up getting it. So, um, take it with a grain of salt. Let's start with MVP Maher. Who's your guy? Who do you think is the MVP of 2022? Um, I My MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. With the exception of like having the best tight end in the NFL, he's the NFL passing leader and the leader of his division with, I mean, a bunch of no names. You know, he's salvaged Juju Smith. He's kind of bouncing back. You got running back like Pacheco, Clyde Edward Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon, and they are arguably the best offensive team in the NFL right now. So, like the fact that he's able to do that with 
you know, I know everybody was getting a little scared about how they're going to be able to score points without having that screamer like Tyreek Hill that's going to take the top off the defense. And really, with the exception of the first couple weeks in the NFL, they haven't skipped a beat. So I, I just look at all these teams that are succeeding, and I, I think if this team, if this player wasn't on it, and you probably have the same argument, Ryan, if this player wasn't on it, this team would not be doing good at all. So I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is my guy for that reason. I, I think Patrick Mahomes, it's an age-old debate of, could you put Patrick Mahomes on the Texans or the worst team in the league and they would sneak into the playoffs? And I think he's the one QB in the league right now, Josh Allen down with the injury as of who knows what's going to happen there. But I think he's the one QB in the league right now where you put him on any team and they instantly become miles, miles better. Um, it's annoying to talk about because it, he is that good right now, but yeah. he's the, the guy you want to start your franchise with. He is... In my opinion, he's been the best quarterback thus far. Um, but I, I'm in my in my approach, I take literally most valuable to their team, and I I agree. We we're both in the same boat. I went with Lamar Jackson. Um, the injuries on this team, man. Yeah, he went into last week with his wide receiver one being Devin Duvernay. Um, the Lamar Jackson, he's been phenomenal not only with his legs. Everybody knows what he can do with his legs. He's on pace for an insane amount of rushing yards, but he is also number one in big time throw rate in the intermediate pass game. Everybody gives him knocks for how well he can, um, you know, how well he is accuracy wise. And he's been making huge throws all year. Number eight rusher in the league, regardless of position. Um, he's got 635 yards on the ground. This is everything for this offense. They're six and three. They're a top team in the league. And it's just because of Lamar Jackson in the defense. So he is my MVP so far. Odds wise, he is the third highest to get the or no fourth highest to get the award. He's at plus a thousand right now. Patrick, your MVP. I will go with Jalen Hurts, especially if the Eagles continue to play that they are and close out very strong. Yeah, he has like a great supporting cast with AJ Brown, Miles Sanders, and Devonta Smith. But I think that he's taken a huge step and is he deserves all the credit for where the Eagles are right now. And Jalen Hurts, it's like if they actually finish undefeated, is there any way that they don't give this award to him? It's kind of the same. That's what I'm thinking is, too. Yeah. If TCU finishes the season undefeated, they have to be in the playoff, right? Like Jalen Hurts yeah. has to have this award if they really do go undefeated. If they're scoring a touchdown in the air, it's because of a good read from him. He read the, you know, with RPOs, you have to give all the credit to a quarterback in an RPO offense. If it was a, a good run from the running back, it was a good read from the quarterback. If it's a good run from the quarterback, good read from the quarterback. Good pass, you know, it's because he held the ball twice and decided to throw it, you know. so And just his how conservative his, he is right now. His touchdown to interception ratio is great. It's, yeah, it's just hard to argue against it. He's. I think that Jalen Hurts and Tua are in the same boat. They've had such a large um, skill jump in this past year that they're impossible to deny at this point. Like their teams have elevated so much and yes, their surroundings are much, much better, but they're at the forefront of why these teams are good. So I think him and two are kind of in the same boat in that aspect, but all three of the picks I like um, Jalen hurts is the number three in odds right now to get it. He's at plus two fifty, So just behind Patrick Mahomes On to defensive player of the year, me and Patrick both have the same guy. We both have the same guy to start the season, Nick Bosa. Um, he's at plus seven twenty-five. He's Big underdog to Micah Parsons, who none of us do have, but Micah Parsons is the the top dog to get the award right now. Um, Bosa, it, 
if you guys watch the 49er games, you see what this defense looks like, what what it looks like when he's on the field and what he looks like when he's off. When he's on the field, we are statistically the best defense in the league. When he's off the field, we give up 40 points to the Falcons. So it's uh it's it's night and day without Nick Bosa on the team. I think there's that's enough said for him. Maher, defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to go with Miles Garrett. He's I know he's been beat up a little bit, but with the exception of Matthew Judon, I think he's just one sack back from the sack leaders. And I'm just looking at his, you know, like his next games too. One, I just think he's like maybe the craziest athlete in the NFL. And I'm looking at his schedule, you know, besides the Dolphins, he got uh, Josh Allen's list, maybe Bill's team, Tampa Bay, who's having trouble protecting Brady, the Texans, the Bengals, who don't have the best O-line, the Ravens, who could honestly just get two or three sacks just because Lamar Jackson's trying to run the ball. And I think those stats will come. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's really me, for two reasons. Me, I just don't want to pick a Cowboys player. Mm-hmm. And two, I just I just love the athlete he is, and I think the rest of his se- schedule is set up for him to perform great. And I think it's it's kind of shocking how Micah Parsons is minus two twenty five out of all these awards lists. He's by far the most favored to win in their like own category. And I really think it's because of the Dak Prescott injury and how well the Cowboys defense just helped them float. Um, Cooper rushes in their winning games and Micah Parsons was covering passes. He's getting tackles for loss. He's out on the edge. He's I mean, he, he does everything for that defense. Collinsworth said he thinks that he could play any position on the field, any <laughs> defensive position. Um, and someone was like, oh, what about cornerback? And they're like, could you imagine trying to get a release off of Micah Parsons? And yeah, he, he is that kind of freaky athlete. Uh, I'm what, curious. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm curious if Micah Parsons does win it, if they're going to give it to him at linebacker or on defensive end. I, I told you to told you guys this earlier but like i really don't like picking defensive player of the years because it's so heavily on the defensive line the last the, the last 10 years only two have gone to a position player outside of the defensive line and that was gilmore in 2019 and then kukli in um 2013 and i just think that's like kind of ridiculous because nobody would give it to a cornerback nowadays I feel like the days of those linebackers, like Michael Parsons was supposed to be that linebacker, but like the generation we grew up on, they're just like some feared linebackers. And yeah. I, I feel like yeah. we don't see that anymore. Like, yeah, it's because they get mossed by slot receivers probably. I think well, they, honestly, they need to be the faster. Reason. They need yeah. to be faster now because they need to be able to cover wide receivers and based on how the NFL offense is. And then when you do that, you don't get your sack numbers. You don't get your interceptions, really. You don't get your tackles too much anymore. And so linebackers aren't leading the league in, in that in that cat- those categories anymore. And, I mean, yeah, you mentioned think, go ahead. Luke Keekley. Like, yeah. yeah, Luke Keekley winning that award is absurd because of all those things you just listed. Yeah. Um, but he was a monster. I mean, that that era, there was just some crazy guys playing. Patrick Willis, Maher's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> like there are just like some freaks of nature that I feel like we yeah, don't Brian see. Brian Urlacher, you know? Brian Urlacher. I mean, Ray Lewis was just yeah. literally. I would love to see, people. and I think it's more likely. I honestly think we're trending towards the direction to where it's more likely that you would see an elite nickel corner of that caliber than seeing like a, a linebacker of that caliber now. Yeah, nickels are. I mean, they're. If your team has a good, you know, if your team has a good nickel corner, you're a tough, tough team to play. Yeah, but it's crazy. Chauncey Gardner. I mean, he's playing more safety now. Yeah, I mean, it's. It may be harder to to guard a slot receiver now than an outside guy with how 
shifty these guys are. Yeah. But just go look at the since 2000, look at who's won it, and you can see like the direction yeah. that the award is going. And I don't know, I just think it's kind of boring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as stats kind of become more relevant day by day, you know, it, it's I, I can see why it goes to the defensive lineman, but I, I think that if we do see a resurgence, I mean, like Trayvon Diggs last year had a million pit interceptions, but they're able to look at his advanced numbers and see like, yeah. actually he wasn't good that good at guarding people. Like things like that, you, you can't do too much against DNs, like unless they have a bunch of missed tackles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And credit to the D like the D line too. of those 10 years, like what, like four of those were Aaron Donald. So no, like... only two were Aaron Donald. Three were actually JJ Watt. Okay. Wow. One real Mac. Um, no, sorry, you're right. Three, three Aaron Donald, three JJ Watt. So you're right. They're tied. They're both tied. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna like stay that way for a little while. Too almost, you know. There's, I feel like there's like a fan favorite element. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as like wide receivers becoming your fan favorite yeah. because they're the ones scoring and like you're watching the dances. That's what transcends things, you know. That's what gets popular. Like Justin Jefferson has to be like every TikTok kid's yeah. favorite player because of the gritty. <laughs> um, so I, I agree. I think that the sack numbers and watching them be like Bosa sliding into the water, like that shit like that. That's what captivates an audience and keeps them coming back. Yeah. Defensive player of the year that got out of hand quick. Um, Maher, just, just so it's on record, you started the year uh, defensive player of the year. You thought it was going to be miles Garrett too. So we all, we all stuck with our guns there. Yeah. Um, offensive rookie of the year. The first two I was saying who I thought was going to be the defensive player of the year and who I thought was going to be the MVP. My pick now is who I think has been the offensive rookie of the year so far, and I think it's Chris Olave. Um, he's top 10 in nearly every single wide receiver category. Uh, the guy has just been a monster for the Saints. Um, they're dealing with injuries. Michael Thomas is out for the year with, like, a toe. He's is he been, out for the year? Michael yeah. Thomas is out for the year, yeah. Yeah, I think he's getting season-ending toe surgery. Um, and then <laughs> just such a funny thing to say. Yeah. And then, yeah, Jarvis Landry kind of been non-existent for that team. He had a great week one, and then he's just been trouble staying healthy. So Chris Olave's kept the wind in the sails. The Saints aren't great, but um, offensive production-wise, I think that he is the the rookie wide receiver this year. We see one every year now that has kind of put himself ahead of the class. I like Olave, and although he's not my offensive rookie of the year pick, I think with the exception of maybe Drake London, because I'm a fan, I think he's my definite best rookie out there. Like, just talent-wise, I think he's the best rookie. Until I'm able to see Jamison Williams up close, you know, until I'm yeah. able to watch him play in the NFL, like, I agree. I think he's the the number one guy. Greg knew. Greg knew on draft night what he didn't get. Um, I think that uh, – I was going to just say about Olave is that I think that he's uh, really stepping up to the opportunities now. Yeah. But not that he wasn't going to get him on the Saints because, you know – He's playing I'm like t- a vet. Yeah, he's playing like a vet. Like, that's a good way to put it. And uh, I think, like, all these rookie wide receivers have been kind of taking advantage of their opportunities. Like, this class is incredible. And I'm really excited to see Jam- uh, Jameson when he steps on the field and John Mechie when he um, hopefully recovers next year. It's an insanely talented class. I think we're going to be talking about him for a long time. Patrick Maher, you guys had the same guy for your offensive rookie of the year. Patrick, we'll let you do the honors on this one. Who do you guys got? Yeah, we got, um, I think Maher and I are on the same wavelength. It's uh, Damian Pierce. Um, I told you guys about him from Florida. He was an amazing back. Uh, I know he, I knew he could carry the workload. He really is a, 
like the first true bell cow back that we've seen him come out of college in probably five years, I want to say, um, at least since Derrick Henry for sure. But he's taking total control of that backfield. I wish they would utilize him more in the um, in the flat and receiving because um, he does have some good moves and he runs guys over. I don't know if you guys remember that um, yeah. run against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, when he oh. carried three people into the end zone with him. But yeah, he's just completely built differently uh i he's gonna lead all rookies in rushing hands down and um, i really hope that he wins it because uh the texans need need some hope and he's definitely the guy to start building an offense around yeah and just to add on to that too i mean he he gave the eagles a hard time last week and really kind of like uh we were missing jordan davis last week i think he put up a hundred yards yeah you know and and like those type of the running backs too, those just bruisers are not the guys that you want to see towards the end of the year too. I don't necessarily know where they're playing in the next few few weeks, but you know, a couple of cool games. If he's in Lambo, those guys are going to have a hard time tackling that guy. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's already producing, and he's kind of like pulling up to that stretch of the season where you don't want to face bruiser backs. Yeah, and I. It's funny, Patrick said his guy, and it really was Patrick's guy heading into the draft process, and he reminded me a lot of Ramondre Stevenson, so I now know what Patrick's type is in a running back. Um, and it's kind of what Maher thought would be the effective guys this year, and it really hasn't missed. Uh, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and then the outlier here is Travis Etienne, then Damian Pierce. Those are your six leading rushers. Um, the bigger backs have been dominating, um, yeah. so – Good on to both of you. You guys are both right. Yeah, because those linebackers now, we, you know, and maybe if we, had Ur, if we had Erlacher back there, then I probably wouldn't have took that take, you know. But yeah. when Michael Parsons, your best guy, who's he's good, but he's not anywhere he's close not to as that. Big. Size, just you know? not as big. Yeah, but good, yeah, good that, job, Maher. Kudos, kudos to us. I mean, you, we're, we're watching the league change and a little golf clap. You're right. You're right. Pretty golf clap. We're, we're watching the league change and we're – finding the, the little niches and what you need to adapt to. And it, obviously we talk a lot about fantasy football here, but it's just fun stuff to watch on Sundays too. Um, yeah. you, you watch the game change day by day, really. Um, on to defensive rookie of the year. I think we're all in the same boat here. Let me pull it up. Yep. Yeah, all in the right. same boat. Um, if you don't know at home and you haven't been watching all year, it's sauce Gardner. The guy has been shut down. I think he's allowed like four catches in man coverage all year while guarding top dogs in the league. Um, shut down Stephon Diggs, not shut down Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs did have a great game last week, but when he was guarding Stephon Diggs, um, he did very well. Um, He's the resume that he's built up so far is amazing. And the Jets defense is showing it. Jets defense is massively improved um, since what we've seen in the past. So sauce Gardner, he's plus plus one seventy five right now. I think that'll sincerely decline closing thoughts on sauce. I do have another guy that we do need to talk about because he's been so good and out of the blue, but thoughts on sauce. Not not so much on sauce, but I think um uh, like the secondary guys. I mean, cornerback is obviously a very tough position, but just the defensive picks that have come out outside of maybe Hutchinson and uh, Thibodeau who have made impacts on their defense. It's just shows how hard it is to play like defense in this league, and really like sauce is putting up unprecedented rookie numbers, and it's just incredible. That's yeah. a lot. That's and all I was the, gonna say. The first time I've seen stats like that since one and a player that young but two since receivers were given like total control in the nfl you know like it's 
much harder to be a corner now than it was in like the in those days where you can actually grab a receiver and play a little dirty, you know, and get physical. Now when you can't even really touch a receiver to be, you know, putting up those numbers that Sauce is going or that he's putting up right now, you know, that's like so impressive to me. Yeah, and and you talk about he he guarded Deontay Johnson. Granted, the the Pittsburgh uh, quarterback situation has been great, but guarded Deontay Johnson, he had an amazing game. Didn't allow a single catch to a premier wide receiver in the league in his fourth week. So, Sauce, the the defense itself, I think the Jets give up like the sixth least yards in the league. Um, Yeah, he's he's been a massive massive help to that defense and great pick at number four. Definitely nice too when you're when you're D line puts you in a situation where you don't have to guard a guy for the longest time, mm-hmm. but you know, still yeah. credit to him. Um, that's defensive rookie of the year. I do want to bring up Tariq Woolen. Um, Seahawks smash their draft this year. Uh, it, it grows more apparent every single week. The The Seahawks have no business having six wins right now. <laughs> most teams had them having most media outlets said the over under for this team is five and a half. They hit six wins in nine weeks best draft class we've seen in a long time and it, it's hard to quantify it right now but Tariq Woolen's kind of at the head of that draft class um obviously Charles Cross has done great things Ken Walker has been a monster offensive rookie of the year front runner right now actually but Tariq Woolen I think he's a fifth round guy um and he has just been locked down he's a turnover machine right now um I, I can't say enough good things about Tariq Woolen he's really doing a great job and he has a defensive touchdown on the year oh yeah Four two six forty. I think Maher liked him too. I think Maher fastest liked... fastest kid in the draft, right? Yeah. yeah. And Maher liked the two fast guys. He liked Jalen Tolbert, who been injured, but uh, yeah. Tariq Woolen yeah. as well. So good calls there. Uh, it's just a Maher gratifying show. Yeah. Comeback player of the year. Go ahead. Who's your I'll guy? go first. Um, I'm picking CMC. Uh, this is kind of a long shot, but I think that uh, he's just getting started. The Niners are going to really bring out the best in – cmc and what he has to offer and he's going to be a problem and i think that jimmy it's going to help jimmy a lot it's going to help the line it's going to help other receivers just his presence on the field is you you have to watch out for him and so um coming off i think it was an ankle injury last year correct me if i'm wrong i, I know it was a like some sort of leg injury but um uh, then getting traded to the panthers i think that we're going to see some 2019 cmc numbers and that are just going to be unbelievable yeah, I think it was a more so I don't want to play for this team injury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, I think this is a good example of a pick that you think it, like you think he could win it in the long run. Um, but, I mean, we saw what he did with Debo out. Um, I'm just I'm giddy to see what he does yeah. with Debo on the field. So, yeah, it, Christian McCaffrey is a game breaker. I said it last time. He's just a guy that completely changes um, how an offense can look. And he did that for us. That's for sure. Maher, your comeback player of the year. Yeah, I'm going to fanboy a little bit. I think, you know, everybody thought this guy was the the best thing since sliced bread, I'll say, coming <laughs> into the league when he came in. And I'm going to ch- take Saquon Barkley. It's just It just feels so good to see this guy performing again. You know, I think everybody – he's just one of those players that, like, everybody roots for him. You know, everybody wants him to perform well. And the last couple of years, you know, the team really did nothing to support him. You know, didn't really go for O-line. Did, you know, Kenny Galladay was their best offensive addition for a little bit. And now he's just performing better than anyone could have ever expected. I think he, like in the first eight, nine weeks, performed well enough to get the comeback player of the year already. You know, like I don't even need to see too much for the second half of the year. But if he could 
like somewhat mirror what he did the first half of this year, I think uh, I think that awards is. I I said it that five weeks in, um, we were talking about oh, who's your MVP so far, and Saquon Barkley was my MVP five weeks in. I mean, he is he carried the load for the Giants the first couple weeks of the season, yeah, throwing uh, touchdowns for a little bit. Yeah, and I mean he's yeah. he's opened up the playbook so much for Daniel Jones. You could tell that Daniel Jones is now confident because he's not in a position where he always needs to make the big throw. Um, Saquon Barkley is just like Christian McCaffrey, and where you get them the ball and two yards turns into eighteen really quickly. Biggest concern though, what was it, Evan Neal? Is he out? He's, he, he yeah, like Evan Neal. Right? My boy, yeah. my golden yeah. boy. I, I tried to warn people for about a year and a half, two years, that the MVP tour was upon us. It started as a joke because I was really tired of playing Russell Wilson. And then I saw him play three games last year. And I thought, really, this could, this could happen. And Geno fucking Smith, guys. King Geno Smith has been unbelievable. It's so heartbreaking that I have to cheer for the Seahawks so much. But if you guys have access to a computer right now, which you should because you're listening to a podcast, playerprofiler.com. Go click on playerprofiler.com. Click on Geno Smith. It is unbelievable the advanced stats that you see on this guy right now um number one to start his completion percentage entering after nine games played after over half the season is 73.1 percent 73.1 and a lot of people i've gotten this argument on twitter oh well he has really good wide receivers they're always open their receiver target separation is 42nd among quarterbacks that qualify for this they are not getting open for him he has a they call this true completion percentage or true accuracy rating. He's number one in the league by like maybe 10%. The guy is fucking phenomenal so far. The Seahawks being six and three right now, we talked about the great draft class. It's also because they upgraded at quarterback and not a lot of people want to say it. Russell Wilson, you've seen him this year. He's been terrible. He was obviously having problems within the locker room last year. It's now been coming out recently. Geno Smith is, if he has that clean pocket, he is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the game, and it's not a bit anymore. He's another one of those guys that coming out of high school or college, like everybody loved. I know we've seen guys like Vic and Kaepernick at the time, but he was like that next dual threat quarterback, you know, and didn't really perform in the NFL. So it's, it's kind of nice to see him doing that now. And it's so funny that he's doing it in the pocket. You mentioned yeah. how he's like the dual threat guy and yeah. he's in his thirties now and he's just doing it in the pocket yeah. and he's doing it at a crazy rate. Well, yeah, the, I think the, the bit, a bit of the dual threat ability kind of went away with age and yeah. which is fine. Like, because obviously he's evolved his game tremendously, but I did also credit to Pete Carroll. I, I hate to say it, but Pete's been in, probably been an incredible coach and an incredible mentor to him. And it's probably like, uh, validating for Pete, you know, also that he's Legino's listening to him. It seems like I feel like Russell Wilson didn't really listen to him, and they probably butted heads a lot more, um, to, at least towards the end of Russell Wilson's career or at in Seattle. And uh, I think also credit to Pete Carroll for for turning around Geno Smith and and that whole team. Geno, I mean, I I think he he's called a game manager, but he's one of those game managers that it he can still take over. Um, and I mean, the run that he's had this year has been crazy the way he carved up good defenses too. Um, and yeah. guy's been phenomenal. So I uh, love Gino. He's the by far favorite to win this award right now. 
Um, he's at minus 125, so good chance for the guy to to get some hardware to go along with it. And the Seahawks are a playoff team right now. They're six and three. They're far ahead in the NFC West. So shout out, shout out to Gino. Shout out to Pete Carroll. Speaking of Pete Carroll, we got coaches next. The last category for today, um, your guys' coach of the year, Maher. My coach of the year is Robert Sala. You look at the Jets offense, you got Zach Wilson. You know, Brees Hall had a great year before getting hurt. But you look at their receivers, um, Elijah Moore, we all like. He's not really playing. Too, he's not even getting the ball, really. Corey Davis is in there. Like, they just don't have – they shouldn't be as good as they are right now. But they are. And it's because Robert Sala created this monster defense. And he's putting his offense in the situation where, like, they can still score points. I mean, what, they scored 40 points against the Dolphins, who have an awesome team this year. Um, beat the Buffalo Bills last week. I, they're, they're doing so much better than we expected, you know, and there's no one on their team that's really performing, with the exception of Sauce, performing well enough to give that credit to, I would say, other than the coach. Another another team that's just drafted really well the last couple of years, yeah. um, Robert Sala, he comes from the 49ers. He, was, he got me so fired up week in and week out. Um, he... Kyle Shanahan, as a head coach, is supposed to have a holdback guy. Robert Sala is the the holdback guy. He's the one that needs to be held back because his energy is just contagious out there. He transformed this defense, and the the Jets being where they are, six and three, second in the AFC East right now, only behind the Bills. Um, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. And he called it out after the Week One loss to Baltimore. He said, "You guys are laughing now," um, and he's he's proved a lot of people wrong so far. So Robert Sala, yeah, f- phenomenal job done. And, you know, early stages of his head coaching career. Patrick, your coach of the year. Um, I'm picking Brian uh, Dabble. Uh, both both of us picked uh, all well, all three of us kind of picked um, New York guys, but New Jersey guys, I mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's totally this this franchise was in the dumpster for the last like four years, and he's completely turned the whole franchise around from the inside out. Um, I, I really like I really like Dabble a lot. Um, he he is the reason why Josh Allen is the way that Josh Allen is today, and um, I hope that they can stick to Danny Jones and kind of maybe see where that goes. But I, we'll see. Um, but he has completely turned the whole team around, and I think that is very much deserving. <laughs> they're now six and two, just behind the Eagles in the NFC Beast. Um, they're probably going to be a playoff team, and that's definitely a team I would not want to play in the playoffs. Um, an offensive mastermind who has been just getting guys open left and right, creating opportunities to win football games, which was ex- what they were not doing last year they were just always from behind never doing anything on offense and the defense has been doing well too i was a little bit worried when they let uh, bradbury walk um and they uh but they re but they re-signed um oh, what's his name leonard williams i think and then um they went they went and drafted thibodeau and they've been looking great as well yeah i, I think i also took brian dable the the giants offense from last year this year night and day um, you mentioned their defense. Everybody, we all thought they had an insanely talented defense last year and they underperformed like crazy. Yeah. Not the best in the league right now, but they're very good at limiting how many points the other team scores. Um, the yards numbers don't uh, don't really reflect how good they've been um, just preventing points. I'm getting big stops, um, big coaching moments. I think the Giants have won a lot of tight games and it's because they 
typically are having the better coach. Um, looking right now, if you're looking at seven point or less losses or just games in general, close games that they've played, seven points or less, we'll start one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven out of their eight games, they've won by one score. Brian Dable is winning games in clutch time. Um, he's solid head coach so far. Wanted to bring up Nick Sirianni. Um, Nick Sirianni and Kevin O'Connell. Nick Sirianni is obviously undefeated. I thought he should have been the coach of the year last year, actually, for taking that team to the playoffs. Minus 135 to win the coach of the year right now. He's a heavy, heavy favorite. But I, I think that the Eagles kind of are benefiting from executive of the year. Um, yeah. And that was really plenty. Like Howie Roseman deserves every award that they could ever give out um, for how well he's constructed this team this year. So I think Nick Sirianni, A, he is deserving because I thought he won, should have won the award last year. But Dable and Sala, those kind of guys, I, I think that for what product they were given, um, they've turned out the most wins so far. Yeah, one guy I want to uh, chat about a little bit too is a um, guy I predicted at the beginning of the year. And I know we were talking about all the injuries and Lamar Jackson is still doing it, but let's give his credit to the coach too. You know, John Harbaugh with all the injuries, the fact that they're still the one of the more elite teams in the AFC right now, you know, and could still, despite all the in injuries, go into almost any game and be the favorite really reflects on uh, how, how well he's really leading this team. Well, I mean, two things. He has Justin Tucker. Yes. Um, but, um, and then, but he, he does this every year, right? Like John Harbaugh, like, I think we we've lost the the lust for it because every single year the Ravens are insanely injured, just like the 49ers. And every year the Ravens are the ones that are still pulling through and looking like favorites to win their division. So completely agree with that take um, question of the week. And then we'll, we'll do a guess that line, get out of here. Question of the week, excluding the bucks, who is the most dangerous team under 500 Patrick? I'm going to go with the Falcons. Um, thought about this a bit i think that they can win the nfc south i don't think the bucks are gonna win uh win that division um the falcons are scary and it's it's weird that they can put up so many points i mean i guess it's not really weird but they get they put up they can put up so many points but also just give up so many points so quickly and they either find their find themselves behind trying to catch up or they're ahead and then they have to try to stay ahead because their defense is so bad but I, Arthur Smith is, I think, still kind of figuring out like where to like use utilize his guys. And as frustrating as that is for fantasy football perspective, I think that they'll find their groove in real life and uh, in this second half of the season. And I think they're going to be dangerous, especially with Kyle Pitts and Drake London out there on the outside. Yeah, there. I mean, there. There's a lot of young talent on this team, and they're still clicking. Um, so yeah, I, I like that take. I, I will say that the Falcons, I, I use this term for Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, but they they seem to be very good, like 85% of the time, and then like really, really bad the other 15%. Oh. And there's really no median. Um, defense has been awful, and their defense was supposed to be like the stronger side of the ball this year. Um, they give up over 400 yards a game, 25 points a game, but they're still hovering right around 500. That's what is scary about them because Patrick's right. Their offense hasn't clicked. Um, and this isn't best teams under 500. The word scary was used intentionally. Um, so they're a team that I definitely wouldn't want to play in week 17, even if they're not in playoff contention, because they look like they can spoil a couple yeah, of parties exactly. this year. Maher, your most dangerous team under 500. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up dangerous or scary, because this team is going to have a transitionary period in a few weeks. 
that can either shoot them down or make them extremely elite, and it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Fuck, that was mine. Was it yours? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just you throw away this team with an absolute elite run game. Um, I think Njoku can be a, a awesome tight end. A little concern about any receiver they have other than Amari Cooper, but if, if we see – Deshaun Watson at his best, that's a dangerous team. And their defense is performing well. Miles Garrett's coming back. I mean, I'm looking to looking at their schedule. They got three for sure winnable games, and then they got the Browns and the Ravens, which should be fun games. Those are division games. You never know what's going to happen. Bengals. Bengals. I'm, just, I'm just so worried about the rest. He hasn't played in two years. Yeah, me too. That's why I think when it comes to dangerous, if all goes well, it's a team that's going to scare you. But – yeah, that transition's a little concerning for sure. And the attention, he, he can't mess up. He needs to have a good game right away, which is very convenient that his first game is on paper a cakewalk against Houston. Yeah, I mean, look, what a what a team to play too, his former team. Um, I, I like the Browns because um, it's the exact opposite reason of the Falcons. Um, I think that the Falcons, they don't have a bunch of stars, but for some reason their offense is – dangerous because of those weapons that do different things um they have like different pieces that complement themselves Uh, drake london is a 6-5 monster kyle pitts runs like a 4-4 and he's 6-4-240 and then cordero patterson is this hybrid that has become one of the best running backs in the league over the last year the browns hit you with star power everywhere um their offensive line is still ranked as the top five offensive line in the league nick chubb is the best pure runner running back in the nfl oh yeah they have kareem hunt oh yeah they have dearness johnson and they don't even use dearness johnson he's the best rb3 that i've ever seen their defense has miles garrett someone that can affect every single play if they need to i the, the browns are a terrifying team if things start to go right because i think jacoby Brissett has lost them a couple games and um there's a there's a good chance that even if deshaun watson isn't great right away if he's a level up from what we've seen out of um, Jacoby, then this team could sneak into the playoffs and really ruin someone's longevity type season. And I'm looking at you jets. Yeah. I I also think that their defense really hasn't clicked either. Um, Denzel Ward's been hurt. Um, He's so, and he's been playing pretty inconsistent, inconsistently. I'm a big John Johnson, the third fan up there in this. uh, And he's, I think he's been mentoring uh, Grant Delpit pretty well um, because he's been starting to play a lot better. And yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that their defense has even gotten started. They have three Uh, corners that have just missed a a bulk of time over there. Um, And they just went and got Deion Jones from the Falcons. One of the best middle linebackers. JOK is, you know, still hitting his stride. He's been hurt. Um, Jadavian Clowney is still Jadavian Clowney clogs up a lot of space down there. So I, I like this team. I think that they're the, the purest form of dangerous right now. Um, and then guess that line that's, uh, we'll, we'll finish with today. Uh, I don't know if Patrick's been a part of one of these. Uh, so basically I, I've turned it into a game show. I, I didn't mean to, but it just kind of happened naturally. So <laughs> essentially I'm going to name the two teams. Have you be honest with us? Have you looked at the NFL lines this week? I have not. No, I haven't. No. Okay. I've only I've only been looking at college, like what you what you said. What a, Man what of honor. About. Okay. So basically, I'm going to say the two teams, um, who's at home, and then you're going to guess that line. Whoever's closer gets one point. If you hit it right on the nose, and you'll get two points. We'll do three games. Okay. We will start with Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are at home. Pat, guess that line. Uh, 
I'm doing five and a half Raiders. Maher, guess that line. Two and a half Raiders. Patrick is closer. It is minus six. Wow. Six? No. Minus six. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I don't, I don't know who's going to play quarterback. for. You think it's is it going to be Ellinger? Uh, I, I mean, unless he's announced something yet, I, I think he's like still getting his key card to work over there. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, next game we will do New Orleans Saints at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maher, guess that line. Saints minus three. Patrick, guess that line. Uh, I'm going to do Pittsburgh minus one and a half. We got a tie ball game. It is Saints minus two. Maher was one point off. Saints minus two. Uh, we got to find a good one to finish us off here. Uh, so why the Saints are favored? Eagles yeah. minus 15. Yeah. <laughs> they are not. They're minus 11. Let's see here. The Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Wow. Patrick, guess that line. Bears minus three and a half. Maher, guess that line. I almost wanted to give that game a pick but I'm going to go Bears one and a half. Pat, what did you say? Bears minus three and a half. We have our first ever tiebreaker that is needed. The line is minus two and a half. You guys are both wow. one point away. <laughs> nice. Unprecedented territory here. We're in unknown waters. Over under for that same Lions-Bears game. Maher, guess that line. 49. Patrick. It's in Chicago. In Chicago. Over 46 and a half. 46. I like 46 and a half. The winner of Guess That Line, Maher. <laughs> it was 48 and a half. 48 really and a half. Close. Uh, I said 49. Yeah, I it. That, one oh, has, game that show. one's going to be so high scoring, I think. Yeah, I think so too. That's a fun one. All right. Go over to royalretros.com. Use promo code UPSIDEPLAY. Get 10% off your order. Any closing thoughts for this week? Any uh, Anything you want the people to know? Yeah. College basketball is back. Um, I can't wait for the moment when I bet on, like, Arizona to smoke out Arizona State, and they're losing by two, and then Bill Walton is just talking, <laughs> about, God, talking yeah. about God knows what on the on the Pac-12 network, you know, at late at night at, like, 11 o'clock. I'm just drunk out of my mind. So, um, yeah, it, it's back. I love college basketball season. A little All right, thanks for watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs>